Rita Kempney of the Washington Post says the director brings a surprisingly sensitive touch to this earnest story of intolerance. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times calls it surprisingly effective. And Amazon user Stephen Richard Mooney says, stay away from this piece of shit. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we determine the fate of school ties. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. It's that time again. Ruined Childhoods. I'm Dan. I'm here with John. John. Hello. How is everybody? Please answer. Talk to your car stereo. Talk to your uh, AirPods. Open up your windows and stick your head out and say, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it. We watched Network last weekend. My wife, Felicia, and I. We watched Network. What prompted that? What's Aside from it well, being great, but like... Well, honestly, I mean, it's it was more of a, like, continuous nudging. Like, it's been, uh, it, it's been a long time since I've seen it, or it had been a long time since I had seen it. And I, between just the whole, you know, climate of media and the... Uh, you know, kind of the way that news has changed and and also hasn't, and also just the brilliance of this movie. And I also thought to myself, well, this is not a movie that Alicia had seen before. She grew up in Belgium, for those of you. John knows this. He's my brother, for those of you who are new to the podcast. <laughs> so uh, he knows that my wife grew up in Belgium. You might not know that. Ch- chances are you do. But um, so she... Uh, would not have seen Network growing up. She saw a lot of American movies growing up, but Network was not was definitely not one of them. And I thought to myself, you know, she's someone who would really enjoy this. And though she's not, you you know, um, English not being her first language, sometimes comedy uh, and satire can be challenging. So I don't always watch those with her. But in this case, right. I thought I was like, I really think that she could follow what's going on because she's savvy to that to business and i really felt that she would um not necessarily like faye dunaway's character who is not necessarily meant to be likable but would understand where that character is coming from and uh it's such a brilliant movie and i'd been wanting to watch it again for some time but i just thought to myself like i really think she would enjoy this and and she did she did great uh let's put it this way we started it like at 8 30 at night and for those of you who don't know we have a five-year-old so yeah 8 30 is a late start time for a movie and we stayed awake for the entire movie that's an accomplishment it sure a is true testament so Back to back to the task at hand, because today we're not talking about network. Um, just to kind of explain what we what we are talking about when we talk about movies is whether or not these properties should be sequeled, prequeled, if they have to be, if 
Hollywood is going to kind of keep going back to back to the bank and, you know, cashing in on their old hits. Bad Boys for Life coming out soon. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like, what's the best way to do this? What do we think should be done if they're going to do anything with it? And, you know, how would we prefer as fans, as as fans just of good movies, how would we prefer them to go about doing this? It's just kind of it's our two cents. So it's a combined four cents worth of opinion. Uh, <laughs> take it or leave it. Yeah. And, you know, just before we get into the um, movie that we're going to be focusing on on this episode, I do want to talk a little bit about the movies of 2019. And yes, there have been quite a few reboots and remakes and sequels and prequels and stuff, but there have also been a lot of really, truly original films or things that have been adapted from books like Jojo Rabbit. Um mm-hmm. And then, you know, original things like Knives Out or Us or Parasite. Um, What's up? And something like Knives Out, because, you know, one would argue it's just a new take on an old genre. But I would argue that it actually uses that genre as a, uh, I guess, a motif to to uh, um, to say something else, to say something that outside of, of the film yeah, and and really, I I hesitate to say much more than that because I really encourage people to go see it. it. It's one of those movies where I have a hard time thinking of someone who wouldn't at least like it, if not love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we also have things like readaptations of Little Women, uh, not a remake of the... 90s version but a true re-adaptation who plays Um, Winona Ryder yeah so you know a lot of people say things like you know there's nothing original anymore and it's like no there's a lot of things that are original but you also have to remember as long as there have been movies there have been remakes because pretty much the the second movie ever made was a remake of the first the great train robbery (laughs) yeah so uh, for anybody who argues that we no longer make original movies, we're, we totally, and by we, I mean well, people. the world, are, yes. The, yeah, they, they are definitely out there. And I don't know percentage-wise how many more remakes or reboots we're doing now as opposed to, you know, the early 1900s, but... Uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's comparable percentage, if not less. Though, if I may, just to... You may. Thank you. On the other... You're welcome. I guess on... The, and, and I agree with you 100%. Like, there's a lot of originality in filmmaking. One could even argue that in even in a genre like so oversaturated, like the superhero genre, there's originality. Shazam was probably one of my favorite movies of 2019 like i admittedly oh, yeah. have not seen i enjoyed it i saw it I, on an airplane yeah me too <laughs> great airplane movie yeah exactly great airplane movie but i really enjoyed it like i enjoyed it the way i enjoyed ant-man where it was just like oh this is diff. this is a little something different it's a it's just and it works so 
But on but just to kind of speak on the other side of things, I am nostalgic for a day when like Rain Man could be the number one box office hit of the year. Mm-hmm. And you know, oh, I know in recent yeah. years that there have been some some big, you know, popular dramas that have made money. Uh, pop drums? Pop drums? Pop drums? Did you just make that up? You heard it here first, folks. Pop drums. Pop drums. <laughs> the blind side. The blind side is a pop drum. <laughs> totally. Wow. Uncut John, Gems. Awesome. Pop drum. Really? Yeah, it's popular. I it's a drama. Oh, but I was and, thinking and, more of I, I was thinking more of a drama that is made to be popular, like a multiplex oh, drama. Yeah, yeah, like Uncut Gems does not seem like the type of movie that you know, like your grandma's gonna go see. I mean, no, but I believe it has outperformed like Cats at the box office, like something that's set up to be a real crowd pleaser. And while we're on the topic of cats, is it just me or does it seem like it, it's failure to be look like a good movie? And I haven't seen it, so I can't say. But from everything I'm hearing, is it actually like I, I actually I'm intrigued. Like, I want to see it more. The more that I hear that people are like leaving it just in like shell shock. It's, it's, I'm trying to remember the last movie that was like this, like Apocalypse Now. Uh, yeah, right. For very different reasons. Where people are just like um, walking out of the movie being like, what just happened? What did I experience? You know, I feel like it's a similar phenomenon that happened when like Fifty Shades of Grey came out, where it was created to be taken seriously but and I saw it in the theater, and let me tell you, everybody was on the same page in that theater. As soon as things started to get wacky, everybody in the theater was laughing so hard mm-hmm. and at the ridiculousness of that movie. And it's like a showgirl, and it's like and because of that, it was successful, and they made more of them. So it was certainly made to be taken seriously. But that's not the, you know, well, they also result. They also made more of them because there were other books. Right, but they didn't have to. But, right. No, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, point of, point of reference. I know, which is too bad because I really enjoyed the American, well, is it American or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was uh, David I mean, Fincher. The, oh, it's David Fincher, right. I mean, I'm, I think I'm just thinking of the, the stars of it. Well, the Daniel Craig, anyway. Um, yes. So that one, I really enjoyed Girl the Dragon Tattoo, but, and I was hoping that they would continue to do more because they were talking about it. And then they said, you know what? Nope. I mean, and I would, I'm just speculating part of it could have to do with Daniel Craig's bond schedule. I also, to me, the, my one complaint about the movie of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is I, like so many other people read the book and, uh, huh. So the 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 surprise and the shock of it was taken out of it. But I, I it's funny because I liked the movie so much that I actually left the theater thinking like, man, I kind of wish I hadn't read the book. I, and, I mean, I hadn't read the book. I thought it was but, a really enjoyable, suspenseful movie. Oh, I, I agree. I felt it was. I just felt like personally I would have 
in, I would have had just that bit more of enjoyment had I not read the book. But neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. Uh, and just to tie things in, tie things in. Oh, we all just uh, got schooled. So <laughs> I, in reading a lot of the reviews and the response to this movie, it's um, something that's compared a lot or, or maybe considered to be a bit of a knockoff of Dead Poet Society, the you know private school drama. And yes, there are similarities. Yes. As you know, aside from just, you know, the overall tone and general setting. Uh, okay, yeah, but so then is Dead Poet Society just a knockoff of uh I don't know, like a separate piece? Maybe it is, Dan. Like, is it just because it's set at a prep school during the well, 1950s? I, I'm sorry. I feel what, like... What year I, was Dead Poet Society? Was it set or did it come out? Did it come out? 89. Your so recall not, is astonishing. So, yeah, it came out a couple years that, before. But I 89 think that was an amazing year. I think that what is being implied is that, like, it's like, oh, Dead Poet Society. Yeah, let's just do that. But, like, let's find, you know, a different angle and i don't know so well, uh but it, but john um so i'm sorry but to, to i'm gonna insert a little trivia here but <laughs> it's actually like the so school ties was written by dick wolf of law and order executive producer dick wolf yes and it was based on is based somewhat on his experiences that's true yeah no i'm okay to our li- to our listeners I, uh, you are not going to hear any major complaints about school ties from me and Dan. We are, you know, oh, uh, yeah. school ties apologists. We are firm <laughs> believers that it should go down in history as being one of the goats. And uh, well, honestly, Dan, we, when I describe this podcast to people, you'll hear me use the words cult and classic when referring to the films that we typically cover. And if you look back at the last 46 episodes, most of the times they qualify under that category. I would not consider School Ties to be either of those. School Ties is a movie that is a a classic movie for us. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's, I'm so, so. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little defense. I know I'm. I'm getting a little defensive <laughs> about school ties, but I just. I also. I find it's almost. It's not just an insult to school ties. I feel like it's. An, it's also kind of an insult to Dead Poet Society because Dead Poet Society sends a very different message and has a very different story. School ties. The most significant teacher character in it is. Like evil, yeah, evil, Mister Cleary. There are two. There are two teachers, and one of them I would consider to be a solid dude. The other is the is the opposite. He is a liquid monster. Oh, the the whatever the the, opposite of a solid dude is. Oh, so uh, the history teacher. The history teacher. Yeah, Yeah, the history teacher is a solid dude. But and you know what? Like and. I really I like the way that they paint, and I know um, you will synopsize momentarily. Sure, but well. I really 
I appreciate the way that a lot of the 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 administrators at the school those adult characters are are drawn out and, and I'll admit I feel like there's you know some of the characters lack some dimension I also feel like I think the the message and the tone like don't need to be the message and the tone are more important to me in watching this oh, movie. At least that's what I found yeah. on this last viewing. Right. Yeah. But also as a movie that is intended to be enjoyed, you know, for yeah. for various reasons. Like, you know, I think that it also checks those boxes too. It's not it's purely just message driven. Oh no. It's got great th- th- drama. And I love that. Like the 1950s, like 1955 intro, like you got to show the gas station with the attendant and like the the all clean white suit who's all friendly. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, you know you you got Shaboom playing or whatever it is, and whatever it, you need to hear to remind you that it's the 50s. It sets the tone, but then also I think here's uh, one place where they they kind of brought that comparison on themselves was having Maurice Jarre. Uh, I'm not sure how it's pronounced as the composer. He also composed mm. the score for dead poet society. Well, you know, if it ain't broke. So, yeah. So I, I'm going to give a little bit of an overview and uh, there are a few layers to this one. So buckle up. Um, so this is, uh, we're talking about school ties, 1992. Um, it's the 50s and David Green is a teenage football phenom from Scranton, Pennsylvania. And he was chosen by uh, St. Matthews, recruited by St. Matthews, a prestigious private high school in uh, the Boston area uh, to do his senior year there and play for their football team, which basically means a guaranteed path to the Ivy Leagues. And uh, the catch is that He's Jewish, and St. Matthew's is a Christian school. I don't think that there's any particular denomination. Um, His roommate says that he's like Lutheran or Methodist or something. And uh, so after uh, David hears some anti-Semitic comments from his new buddies, he decides that he needs to keep his religion a secret. And uh, the problem is that, you know, it's he's hearing it left and right, and it's very casual the way that people are bringing up uh, anti-Jewish remarks. The first one being when uh, one of the guys mentions that he bought his uh, hi-fi from a friend who wanted forty for it, but he jewed him down to thirty, and that's what really you know caught his attention. So uh, David quickly becomes the big man on campus and is loved by everybody except uh, for Charlie Dillon who at first they're like super good friends, but several uh, things happen that rub Dylan the wrong way. So Dylan uh, was supposed to be quarterback and uh, David came in and became the quarterback by default. Essentially Uh, he was the star and he's the, the BMOC and uh, he's the quarterback. So he took that from Charlie and that pissed him off. Sorry, Dylan, he goes by Dylan. Uh, And on top of that, uh, David also gets together with Sally Wheeler, and that's the girl who uh, Dylan claims to be his girlfriend. Uh, They grew up together, and it's always just been kind of assumed that they would end up together. 
So um, when people find out that David is Jewish, which uh, is uh, discovered by Dylan and then told during a uh, 100% nude shower scene (laughs) uh, with all of the friends. So uh, everybody turns against him and calls him a liar for hiding that from them. And um, eventually it is discovered that somebody has cheated on the big history exam. And uh, even though David saw Dylan do it, he says that he saw David do it. And who's going to believe, who are they going to believe? The the guy who's probably from the most, you know, well-known family at the school or from the person who they've all considered to be a liar. So, um, spoiler alert, David is redeemed when uh, Dylan's roommate, Van Kelt, admits that he saw Dylan cheating. Um, Not done yet, Dan. So, uh, Brendan Fraser plays David. Matt Damon plays Dylan. Uh, Amy Locaine plays Sally, who was uh, Brendan Fraser's girlfriend in Airheads. Um, Chris O'Donnell plays uh, David's roommate, Chris, who is like the one guy who stands up for David, even though he's got his hangups, he stands up for him. And uh, Randall Battenkoff is Van Kelt. Meanwhile, the class clown, McGivern, the guy who got the high five for 30 bucks, uh, he's kind of living with this pressure of five generations of McGiverns to go to Princeton. And he's failing French, which is taught by Mr. Cleary, who he's tormented by, uh, relentlessly tormented by. And it ultimately leads to McGivern having this crazy nervous breakdown and never returning back to school. So uh, Mr. Cleary is played by, and Dan, if you have a better pronunciation than I do. Zelko Ivanek. That's yeah, that's, that's he's, pretty much. Yeah. If you looked, if you looked him up, you'll see that he's been in everything. Um, and then, uh, Andrew Lowry plays McGivern. He was kind of in everything in the nineties. He was in, um, Buffy, the vampire slayer along with Ben Affleck, who is also one of the buddies and Randall Battenkoff, who's Van Kelt. So that's everything. You kind of need to know. Dan, am I missing anything? Um no, I I I really don't think so. I would I would say though um even though Dylan and David were kind of you know, they were cool at the beginning, there was tension from the very start because yeah. because um Dylan feels that David took his spot. And he makes some, and he, he makes some, uh, I forget, I forget what the comment is. He makes some, you know, sideways comment, you know, at David and, and David is like, Hey, you know, no problem. Even in, you know, you know, even here, a prick still a prick or whatever. Uh, right. Yeah. So yeah, there's, so there's that moment. Another th- yeah. Another thing, and this is towards the beginning, you know, I, and I don't remember if it was Dylan exactly who says this. Or if it was uh, Magoo, Anthony Rapp, who basically mm. plays a little Hitler youth-looking uh, <laughs> creepo. Um, Musical theater fans, the original Mark and Rent. I know. Absolutely. Uh, so somebody says something about like how unfair it is that David can come in and like he never got hazed. He never had to go through all the stuff that they all had to go through. And it quickly gets brushed off about you know it's like you know he's 
you know, he was brought here, he's gone through his own stuff, so on and so forth. And, you know, he is a charismatic guy. He is really easy to like. He is, uh, he fits right in. And these, and he's fitting in with the most popular Oh yeah, kids in school. Yeah. Even even once they discover that he's part of the wait staff in the uh in the dining right. hall, which you know he does as part of his scholarship, which I love there's that there's an interaction uh after after the conflict where you're going to bring that up. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but feel oh, free to yes. say what you want to say. Oh, yes. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I think I'm going to say what we're going to talk about later. So um, <laughs> uh, I, I guess another scene that I would mention kind of the, the you know, one of the big climactic scenes here is uh, very soon after. Oh, and by, let me bring this up. So the all nude shower fight. Hmm. Oh, yeah. They what? fight in the shower. So, okay, I'm assuming this is not the first time they've all sh- showered together, you know, just because I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. So wouldn't they notice that someone's not wearing a hoodie? <laughs> I, I had the same thought. I, I don't know if he typically just like hides the front of his body from his buddies. I don't know. I don't know. I yeah I don't know I mean I would I I felt that I remembered that he kind of like would shower at at times when there wouldn't be anyone in the shower but after games it, I, yeah I you know it's it's one of those things maybe there's a deleted scene out there that <laughs> explains it <laughs> boating accident yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe just like. Yeah. I, or I don't know, maybe just they were all too, I don't know, timid to, maybe they just didn't look, who knows. No, anyway. I don't think that this group is too timid for anything. No, that's true. They do oh, wrestle safe. naked in the shower. Well, we beat St. Luke's. Yeah. That's the grand plan. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Oh. The old boy network got together and fought us a victory. But... uh the joke's on us. What joke? But you didn't hear the joke? All right, well, let's hear the joke. Uh, yeah, let's hear the joke. True story. Last weekend, there was a religious revival at Madison Square Garden. Bishop Fulton Sheen gave such a stirring address that afterwards, 10,000 people converted to Catholicism. <laughs> then Billy Graham got up. And after an hour of inspired preaching, 10,000 people converted to Protestantism. Finally, to end the program, Pat Boone got up saying there's a gold mine in the sky and 20,000 Jews joined the Air Force. (laughs) What's the matter, David? Don't the Jews have a sense of humor? It turns out our golden boy here is a lying, backstabbing kite. Come 
And but look at the I and and of course this is the you know the future of of young Hollywood or at least that's what they were told they were going to be. And yeah, for some of them it was the absolutely next true. Yeah, they were told they'd yeah. be the next Brat Pack. And I mean that that cast, wow. Because yeah. You know, you you have like like we said, there's the group who went on to all go in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's the Dazed and Confused crew, Anthony Rapp, Ben Affleck, and uh, oh, I'm forgetting well, his name. Oh, and Randall Batten. Uh, no, uh, not N- in Dazed and Confused. Yeah, An- uh, Anthony Rapp, Ben Affleck, and is there someone else from the School Ties in that? Yes, he's um, was Andrew Lowry in that. No, it's uh oh my god, why am I blanking Which character? on this? I uh, I don't remember the character's name, but he's the redhead, the guy who cheats on the French thing. Oh, Cole Hauser. Cole Hauser, that's it. Cole Hauser, yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're so, yeah. part of the football team in that too, and I also think in right. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which came out a few months before School Ties. Oh, did it really? I mean, like uh, yeah, a so, month. Or, I think it came out like a month before school time. Yeah, and then I mean, clearly, well, Matt Damon had been in a couple things before this, but like, but he, um, I think it's much smaller roles. But yeah. uh, he, I mean, we all know what happened to Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sure do. Yeah, so uh, I don't know, I. I think it's also interesting to point out that everybody makes a big deal about going to Harvard. Uh, oh, yeah. Especially Dylan. And uh, even though he, spoiler alert, gets expelled, he's like, you know what? I'm still going to go to Harvard. And you know what? Maybe as a janitor. Oh. And Brendan Fraser gets there and with honors. Oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> All right. Wow. That's fascinating. Um I love that connection. That's I'm. I feel like an idiot for not making it, but I love it. Uh, but I, the the other scene that I that I wanted to point out was after all of this, after all this comes out, it, it, David comes back to his room to find a iconic banner. Scene. Yeah, really iconic, but like and really. Chilling, for us. I don't know if anybody else remembers. This. Well, I mean, look, if you've seen if you've seen school and actually, John, I you know what? I, I'm going to I'm going to throw this out there. So um, little tangent here at the school where I work, I, I teach in the Seattle area and I am part of a group called the No Place for Hate Committee. I think it's pretty obvious, you know, what what we're there to do. It's kind of a national organization, you know, make uh, part of the uh, Anti-Defamation League and to make your school no place for hate. And in the context of discussing the group, I brought up school ties because I had just watched it the night before. So, right. I I brought up school ties and one of my colleagues who runs our restorative justice and is I I think like you know several years at least 5 years younger than me so but possibly more of an age gap but just exp- like loves school ties and mm-hmm. talked about it and we just kind of went on a little school ties tangent so i think but so i think more people have seen this movie than we think have seen it and 
but this scene is just it's unforgettable and viewing it in in the the context of today where we have such a rise in in hate crime in America particularly anti-semitic crime and thinking about all of the you know I'm thinking of all the photos that I've seen over the past couple of years of swastikas on on graveyards right. and uh, you know like and Jews will not replace yeah. us uh, yeah. that chant and yeah in schools and I so the scene is he comes into his room and there's this big banner and there's this in red paint this swastika and it says go home go home go Jew. home Jew and I got chills much more so than I ever had before I think that did we watch this movie at some point when I came to visit you in LA I meant to ask you about that <laughs> did we Probably. I remember I'm pretty sure that we like went on a hunt for a copy of School Ties, and I'm not. I do huh. not recall. We've gone for hunts for a lot of different movies. Soap Dish being one of them. Yeah, but uh, yeah. later on, um, I do. Sounds I, about right. I do think. Isn't that it we great watched... that we live in a time now where it's just like on demand whenever we want to watch it on some streaming platform? Oh yeah, yeah. You. Yeah, all you have to do is tell your whatever your system is, just like find school ties, and it's like really, okay, <laughs> yeah, and then you yell, "Cow!" I'm not here to judge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are you afraid of, Siri? Yeah, um, um, but right, anyway, so, so that scene, and then he, and then he challenges. He posts this, the sign up on the boards as like you know, come and. He does not post. Okay, Dan. He doesn't post it on the board. He posts it like seven inches to the left of the bulletin board. <laughs> And what is it, like, it's, is it his pen or is it a knife that he sticks it's a into knife. the wall? It's a knife. It's a knife. Yeah. I mean, like, talk about the Hebrew hammer. Like, he, like, Who is David Green. Confused? Well, I mean, he fights Cocos right off the bat. David Green is is not to be messed with. Like, right. es- especially when you mess with his, his heritage. Yeah. And uh, there are some great lines. There's some great exchanges. There's that when David, uh, this is another thing though, when he sneaks off to the chapel to to pray for Rosh Hashanah, right? That is brazen. That yeah, you're kind of and he gets uh, and I guess it's like the headmaster knows, but I think he doesn't that when like the, it. But when the headmaster says that line to him and says, "Was it worth it? Breaking a tradition just to win a football game?" Your tradition or mine, sir. I don't think I ever I don't think I ever caught that line. It's real ballsy. It is really ballsy. Yeah. He makes a lot of those comments. And when he I mean when he, he says to the board at the end when they when they tell him, oh, I love the Rip Van Kelt reveal when he's sitting with his it's legs crossed. Dramatically like, he, like he's Benoit yeah. Blanc uh from Knives right. Out. Totally. So, uh, um so I love and and he just looks at them and and he's like, you know what? You're using me to to win football games. I'm going to use you to get into Harvard. Yeah. 
He just what, like, like he does a mic drop before that existed. What I wish I knew is exactly why he wants to go to Harvard. I mean, we don't know what his interests are outside of playing football. Law. He's he, it's law. I completely law. missed that. Com- like completely missed that. Uh, is John, it mentioned like all- once? With honors? Hello? Oh, with honors. No, actually, though, <laughs> to be honest. Though, okay, all right. I do I do believe that if there is a background, I do think that law would be an appropriate choice because he, look at him fight anti-Semitism, literally. Yeah. Cocos. He well, fights he tried, Cocos, the, t- the yeah, town and, bully in Scranton. He's the Scranton yeah. Strangler. And then he, and then he, uh, he tries to fight it later, but his uh, potential competitors are cowards. So, yes, you know, yeah, oh yeah, they're all standing up in their rooms, and yeah, he's in the rain, and he just shouts cowards at them. It's amazing, you know. I just it just occurred to me, Encino Man was also ninety two, so like a a lot well, of these guys had a hell of a year. Yeah, well, Brendan Fraser, I mean, I I think he's fantastic in this. Um, yeah, I've I've always been a fan of, you know, his work like in the in the 90s when he was like really in his prime uh, air gods and monsters. Like you ever before. see gods and gods monsters? And mon- yeah, it's great. It's really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly, nobody's American. in that who was in Lorenzo's oil. But, you know, I looked Ooh. not the case. But, but yet in in school ties, actually, it, it I I wasn't I wasn't thinking about Lorenzo's oil. You know, I. I kind of went down the cast to see if any of them were like in anything with the big three. Matt Damon and, and Susan nope, Sarandon must have nope, been in something nope, together. No, nope, nope. Uh, Maybe Nick a political Nolte? fundraiser, but hmm. nothing mm. I could nothing I could find. Um, yeah, no, I don't think Matt Damon and Susan Sarandon would be at the same political fundraiser. Uh, ben Affleck and uh, anybody? No, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, um, aside, Lorenzo's oil aside, uh, it's, I don't know. I I mean, I also watched this movie the other night and I've seen this movie 10 times maybe, which is a lot for a movie. That is a lot. I don't think I've seen it 10 times. I mean, that's just, you know, an estimate, but it's probably pretty accurate, but uh, it's, I, it's enjoyable each time I watch it. It moves quickly. It's, mm. uh, you know, the cast is so strong. Like, you know, Brendan, aside from Brendan Fraser, like Matt Damon, even though this is a very early role for him, he is the like main bad guy, I would say. He's, and, he's great. And he's fantastic. He's fantastic. He really does, and he he doesn't get the opportunity to play smarmy, and to well, see him at such a young age do it so well. It worked, you know. It worked really well. Then he had the look, mm-hmm. you know. He he just it it'd be I think a little trickier for him to pull it off now, but you know at that time he just like really nailed that character. And, yeah. um, you know, Anthony Rapp, you, you take one look at him and in this movie and you know what he's about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, 
And and Chris O'Donnell is fantastic in this, who plays Chris, the roommate. And, yeah, I really do like him in this. You know, and he's somebody who's clearly struggling because he, on one hand, really likes David and doesn't want to betray him. But he's also struggling because I don't know if he's ever met a Jewish person before. And he still feels like he's been lied to and he still thinks that it's different for that. It matters for a Jewish person to be there as opposed to somebody who's a different, you know, sect of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's having trouble negotiating that mentally, but he pretty quickly wants to just be the ally for David. So he plays that role really well. Well, and he does. And I believe he that tells, this, what, what year was um, was Scent of a Woman? Ninety two. Really? So yeah, yeah, and great year for these guys. Yeah, but I and and he says he's he hadn't he'd never met a Jew before. Mm-hmm. And oh, they he's have, the one says that. I, th- they I have, thought that Cole Hauser says that, or I don't know. Maybe they oh, all say Cole, that. Cole Hauser is the one who admits to being an anti semite, but also just being like. Like, look, he's like, yeah, I make Jew jokes. I'm, I'm, I'm an anti-Semite, but you know, logic is logic. Yeah. And what makes, and, and Chris O'Donnell, Chris kind of comes to that same thing. And, and I forget what their exchange was, but she, he's got this, this great exchange with David where they're having that conversation about, you know, different sects of Christianity and, and someone being Jewish being different and I also I think a lot of that comes down to the the rhetoric in different in different religions. So mm-hmm. I feel that a sect of Christianity that at that time was preaching a lot of the you know Jews killed right. Jesus. Yes, which somebody does mention at some point. Cocos. Okay, there you go. He says when he's trying to get into the diner, and he says, "So it doesn't bother you that your your buddy killed G- your buddy." Right, but like, I feel like one of Jesus. the other one of the other guys, like one of his buddies. Oh, well, I think I think they do. Any, I think yeah, I think they do at some point. But yeah, yeah I, mean, I just also like you know, saying Cocos's name. It's a yeah, fun. You do. I'm like, I want to. That's another. <laughs> that's a. That's that's a kind. Of, that's a backstory I want to know about. Like, I don't Craig Bierko. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> Um, so that's a backstory. You want to know more about, uh, his Scranton life? About, yeah, about Cocos and, uh, yeah, no. His little like, biker gang? Story. Yeah, he's part of the Outsiders. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, well, well, I mean, you have to remember this takes place in the mid-1950s and, you know, globally... People, even though, you know, World War II is over, people are still in a mentality, a certain mentality. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of propaganda that's still going around and a lot of people still saying things that aren't founded on any truth at all. And um, we like to think that now these days things are different. But you know what? Maybe in the bigger cities they are, but... You know, there are yeah. places where it's the same. It's exactly it's exactly like this. So Yeah. Yeah. There there and I think also it's and there's pockets every everywhere you go, there you know there's there's times when you don't know who is going who has what opinions nearby you and 
you, you if you reveal that, and that's the thing about because uh, I was thinking about this story and the story of an athlete used f- for his talents despite uh, a ri- like racism, and I thought about I was thinking about like you know Colin not not Colin Kaepernick per se, but I was thinking of you know like black athletes Mm -hmm. especially at at that time and i'm thinking about you know uh, comparing a story about like what if a school like this you know brought in a black athlete how does that how does that change the story well you you can't hide it david can hide it yes he can and or and he chooses to the thing is, would he? Do you think he would have been better off if he had, like, when when the guys were making the Jew jokes, David, kind of knowing the world that he's in, do you think it would have been that that things would have ended up being better for him there had he just said, "Hey guys, look." Right. Uh, well, yeah. So the what a lot of his friends claim is the issue is that is not that he's Jewish exactly, but that he lied to them. Which is also and, inaccurate because... Which is, well, it's what it's their excuse. It's what, it's why, yeah. they, how they can say, I'm mad at you, but it's, but no, I'm not an anti-Semite. It's because you lied to us. So right. they wouldn't yeah. have that excuse. It would just be like, oh no, I don't like you because you are Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, they wouldn't have any reason to hide that. Um, you know, he clearly wouldn't have as easy of a life if it was just out in the open. And, you know, he's there for a school year. And I I don't know. It's, you know, it's really hard to say. Be a lot more cowards to fight. Definitely. If they would only, you know, nut up and get out there. Not this crew. Yeah. Not this crew. Maybe if he went to the Dead Poets Society school. (laughs) No. No, because it was a totally different group of, I mean, come on. Like, what do they do? Like, they come out, they play soccer in Dead Poets Society. I'm a little bit... uh, Okay. It's just frustrating. It's two different movies. So the Emperor's Club is a Dead Poet Society knockoff. All due respect <laughs> to Kevin Klein. Okay, and yes, all due respect to Kevin Klein, just in general, because oh, Kevin Klein always, is great. always. Uh, so you know, you were mentioning uh, we were talking a little bit about how things are today. Sorry, what's up? Yeah, no, no, no. I wanted to. There was one more thing that I I wanted to mention, and maybe this is uh, maybe this is where you're you're going, but I'm. It was also one more, another thing that was different watching it this time is that I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Jew. I identify as Jewish. I'm not religious. I am cultural. I, uh, and you know, I take pride in that. My daughter goes to Catholic school. It's a great school. My daughter can read. She can read. (laughs) She read me two books tonight. Okay. So nice. Anyway. The fact like, you know, point is, it's a different, it's a different world. I send her to Catholic school. There's no, 
you know, there's there's none of that. It's, you know, where everyone's open. There are other kids who have Jewish parents there. Uh, you know, it's a different world, but still just watching it from the lens of a Jewish person who's experiencing, you know, the because she does come home sometimes with some, you know, religious materials. And I mean, I don't necessarily subscribe to organized religion, period. So my, you know, a lot of my, 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 my qualms are not necessarily with the religious content, but it's more in, you know, some of the messaging, but she's, she's five. It's all, it's all good right now. Right. Yeah. So and anyway, also, the point of the and story also her is, mom is Catholic. Well, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. not well. And I'm sorry that the, my I should say not the messaging at her school, but the type of messaging like in school ties. Right. So it's interesting watching that and then kind of comparing that to and just thinking about my reactions and kind of measuring my kind of myself. But just from that, from the perspective of someone who is Jewish, but, you know, right, who is not, I'm, yes, my wife is, my wife is Catholic. We celebrate, we celebrate all the holidays. Yes, we do Christmas and, Han- Christmas and Hanukkah. We do, we do Easter and Passover. We do the High Holy Days, you know. So we kind of, we celebrate, we celebrate everything. We we celebrate, we've got Spanish family. We celebrate Spanish, uh, we do Spanish observations. So it's just kind of like a, hey, this is who you are all together. Mm -hmm. And I think in general, it's interesting because it just, I thought about Chloe's class and I thought about, you know, the other kids who have family and the other parents that I've met. And it's just such a, like in this world, like Charlie Dillon and Sally Wheeler are expected to get together because their parents have known each other for a long time. They come from prestigious families. They come from prestigious families. And it's also, it's a world that where people don't tend to leave their regions as much, I feel. Right. And it's just not, I mean, you know, tra- the intercontinental transportation is not as much of a thing. And, you know, I go to a parent event and I'm talking to parents from from all over the world that are mm-hmm. in all of our kids go to school together. And it just made me it made me really uh, appreciate that because, you know, you look at that school and there's no diversity whatsoever. And on on the surface, mm-hmm. there's no diversity at all. Because being Jewish is not necessarily it's not on the surface. It's not race. Right. It's not nationality. Uh, it's not nationality. No. no. So, and- But that all said, if you could recast school ties with your daughter and her friends, who would be <laughs> who? I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, let's see. Honora <laughs> would be Chris O'Donnell. and oh, I like Honora already. Yeah, she's cool. You don't have to do this. It's fine. No, you don't have to <laughs> name names of children. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. You could, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but, but so, John, yeah, so what, but what, all right, what, we're not recasting this clearly with, with kindergartners. So what what are you thinking? What? All right. So, is this where we come back to our fellow? Yes, it is. Uh, this is my boy. fake answer. 
This is my <laughs> fake idea for a new version. So, yes, you had mentioned that there is a scene in the dining hall after everybody finds out that he's Jewish and they're being complete his friend friend i say friends in quotes but they're being complete assholes and he is a server in the dining hall and he is assigned to their table i he kind of blows up at them and storms off and i there is one kid they push his buttons they certainly do and there's one kid in the uh in the dining hall who's also a server who kind of bumps into him and tells him that they should switch tables. And then he says, you need this job as much as I do. I want to know what's going on with that guy. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what's his story? I know. And I love the way he says, he says that he line. says what's- that like he is the star of his own movie. Yes, Exactly. What is he hiding? What secrets does he have? What are like? Is there another <laughs> school ties going on at that school? Like that's on the other what side I'm of thinking. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. But like, I don't parallel know. school ties. Yeah, I don't know. I just want to know what could it possibly be. Jew, <laughs> grow up for Christ's sake! Oh, Reese, you're so mature. Got some food though. See who plays. Excuse me. Um, there's no salt on this table. I need salt for my fruit. <laughs> oh, someone's not doing his menial job. Uh, you know, it's so hard to find decent health these days. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you move any faster, please? <laughs> Be careful to step outside. I'll show you how fast I can. David, come on! David, come on! David, David, come on! Is that worth it? David, it's not worth it. All right. Look, my name is Richard Collins. What's yours, Reese Bird? David, David, I'll work your table. You can take mine, all right? Listen, man, you need this job as much as I do. Come on, Green, don't blow it, all right? But anyway, my real answer, I've got two. Um, so I would do something present day, similar plot, um, whether it's uh, high school or college, you know, who knows, but uh, someone's attending a prestigious school and they are a ringer for the sports team. Um, but in this case, it would be a school that's like in an extremely red state. Very, very ultra. Not, I'm not going to say conservative because conservative doesn't mean racist. Right. But, you know, it is a very racist student body. And um, there is somebody who is can pass as white, but uh, is actually of either, I was thinking, Mexican descent or even Iranian descent, um, mm. if we want to get ultra current. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it would play out however it would play out, but, you know, it's a very real thing you know, that is happening right now, you know, the, the, um, the racism towards, you know, especially, you know, the past few years, people of, you know, Mexican descent or now Iranian descent, because I, I mean, I just read something today about a group of like a hundred people who are of Iranian ancestry who were like stopped and held at the U.S. Canadian border, yeah, and yeah. 
yeah, and it's just like disgusting. And um, this this school ties story could so easily happen with somebody from those cultures. The other thought that I had was a would be a docu series about people who have experienced this because there are lots of dick wolves out there or uh, David Greens out there who, you know, have had to pass as something that they are not in order to get by. And yeah, maybe they have been discovered. And, you know, I'm sure you can have a very long running docuseries with that premise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how about you? Yeah. What are you thinking? Uh, so my idea, uh, similar to this, uh, to the series. I mean, it's a series, but more of a dramatic, uh, long, long format drama series. Um, of just kind of breaking this, and you know, maybe taking it to you know, expanding it and kind of letting it breathe a little bit more, maybe working out some of the kind of some of the things that you have to do in the movie because you have a limited amount of time, like having David go to the, you know, for the Rosh Hashanah, just going once for Rosh Hashanah, which does he not go back for Yom Kippur, which is, I I would say, like, do we know about that? Does he risk it? You know, it's like things like that that you what can't a- have. Quick, quick aside about the Rosh Hashanah scene. Did he have like a secret shofar moment after like the dean leaves, where he's just like <laughs> looking around, like hope no one hears this, and like belts yeah. out like the shofar. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, that was yeah. You could have things like that. No, but I, I, I wonder. And in a series, you have the possibility of also having, you know, as as you go on, you're in a school, so you have you know new people coming in, coming out, and of course, in in this, David's a senior, so you would kind of have that to work with. But I think that you could also maybe during at least that first season have your your David or whoever your main character is discover that there are other like. There's others like he's not the only secret Jew there. You need this job just as much as I do. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but maybe not necessarily him. But I was just, <laughs> I was just thinking it would, it, it would be you know at, at one point, uh, at one point in class, you know, so you know everyone's talking, all the kids are talking, and David just mumbles un- under his breath, you know, shake it, and someone mm-hmm. next to him goes, "Hey," and they're just like, "Oh no, wait, you, you, you? <laughs> yeah." I, uh, I mean, as we're kind of talking about this, I'm thinking about some other movies that have similar themes, and like Ladybugs just came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> someone who has to pretend to be what they're not in order to succeed yeah who's a ringer for the team yeah and he's in yeah. it to he's in it to jonathan brandis is in it to be with the girl and uh well so is rodney dangerfield <laughs> he's he's in it yes to be able to 
have a wedding. We're not talking. Well, about he wants to impress right his boss, and yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, not talking about so, ladybugs, but yeah, that's that's true. But all, I mean, there's a lot of like Shakespeare wrote a ton about people, sure, disguising themselves. You have in history of Joan of Arc, you have the uh, Mulan, uh, right? The upcoming, yeah. which man, that that looks good. The Mulan trailer, yeah, and you know, for all of the. Disney live action remakes, I feel like they've all just been in preparation for this one, which seems like it should have just been this way from the start. But I, and that's, what's cool. Uh, That's what, what does make this one different. And I look forward to seeing it and, and talking more about it, but, but yeah, so there's so many great stories with that, with that theme, just because it's a universal theme identity especially for for teens as a high school teacher it's mm-hmm. something it's central to our curriculum especially i teach ninth grade so at that at at the age of you know 14 15 identity self-discovery figuring out who you are figuring out who you are in the context of your surroundings and in relation to other people and discovering and and seeing more about how other people experience the world and just kind of having more of the world open up to you. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's identity is central to that time. Mm. I think that's why you have so many of, of these things. I mean, dead, and that's where dead poet society, you have the, the overlap of, you know, the, like the Robert Sean Leonard character Mm. Mm -hmm. identity. So, I feel like school ties is really powerful in that also we introduce David as a strong character, but that strength is challenged. He doesn't have, that's the one thing he doesn't have the strength to do is he wants to fit in so much when they're in that room and they're talking about the, the they're listening to music, which interestingly pointed out they're listening to Songs written by Jewish writers, Smokey yeah. Joe's Cafe, Lieber and Stoller, performed by African Americans. Right. So uh, it's just it, it's an interesting irony. It's a it's a nice choice. It, I, it's not pointed out in the movie, but that that's great. It's a little Easter egg. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. mean, oh, a, a Passover egg, I guess. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's the Afikoman. <laughs> it's the. <laughs> oh boy that worked that worked for me do i get a dollar (laughs) yeah so uh a lottery ticket scratch off yeah yeah so i think that uh i don't know i i think that there's there's so many good things that could be done with this movie um or this this property and uh, you know in this one i don't think it would be bad if it did happen the odds of anything I mean, there's always the chance of something coming up, but not being a school t- like not referencing school well, ties at all. You and know, it's it would it's so and it's it's timely. Of course, it, it, when is it not timely? But it's kind mm-hmm. of especially timely. And you're right; you could have something a very similar concept come up, and have it be successful, and have it really have no connection to school ties other than thematically, right. But yeah. I would still like something called school ties, and I would like to keep the cowards. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say you'd like to have somebody yell cowards <laughs> in every episode. Oh yeah, 
in every episode. Yeah. Cowards. That's the whole thing. Um yes. Yeah, I mean I mean any other any other thoughts on school ties? You don't have to. I'm thinking. No, I mean know, the so the, un, the other always... another thing that that came up for me and this I uh, will be the only time I intend to bring this movie up as being a version of this done wrong Soul Man. Oh. Well, but Soul Man was intended it was and I'm not defending Soul Man. Let me put this out there right now. Yeah. I'm not defending Soul Man. But Soul Man, and, and this is prob- this is partially why I'm defend- not defending Soul Man, is because it's intended to be a comedy. Maybe if Soul Man had gone, had right. tried to be more like, had been more like School Ties, it it might have actually been. Uh, and and Soul Man, for anybody who isn't familiar, is a film about somebody who is I uh, pose is a white person posing as a black person by like using a ton of bronzer or something in order to get a scholarship, if I'm not mistaken. A scholarship to? I'm Harvard. Oh, is it to Harvard? (laughs) I am, um, unless it's Stanford, I am almost Honestly, haven't seen Soul Man, you know, in a very, very long time. Uh, Yeah, good luck finding it. Uh. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, Harvard. (laughs) Harvard. Is it Harvard? Harvard. Yeah. Well, Man, I, I mean, something about Harvard. Yeah, that one. Whoever decided to move forward with that idea, it, it would never happen now. It would never happen now. But um, no. But in nineteen eighty, was it six? Of course, it did. So actually, that director is Steve Miner, who also directed. Uh, Forever Young, starring Mel Gibson. Hmm. Warlock, Julian Sands, great movie. Friday the 13th, part two. I feel like he directed something that I, something else, but I cannot seem to find, Halloween H2O. Huh, okay. Quality. There you go. So Dan, do you by any chance remember the circumstances under which you saw this movie for the first time? In fact, I do. In fact, I do, John. Please do tell. So when this movie came out in I want to say September 1992, I was uh, in 10th grade and had started taking a confirmation class at our synagogue. And this was kind of, this was the, the post-bar mitzvah, you know, is confirmation class for, for those who are, would not be familiar with it. It was more of a like you know exploring the the social issues, uh, how uh, various social issues related to Judaism, and when School Ties was released, we were we were I don't remember if we were strongly encouraged to go see it or like required to go see it, but I remember I went with some friends from from Hebrew school or from confirmation class. At the Westfield Rialto. Okay. So we had similar experiences, but I remember things a little differently. And I was at this point, uh, you know, in Hebrew school, and there was still 
it was, I believe, a requirement. And I want to say that we were actually like bust to the movie theater. Really? Like, I, I, I have this memory of like actually going, and it was, it wasn't, it wasn't that theater. It was somewhere. It wasn't the. It wasn't in West. It wasn't the one right else. down the street from the temple. No, because I want to say that like they rented out the theater or something, or they had a special screening for the group of people who were going. I mean, that seems unusual. Like you would have been cause, just because, like, and I don't know how much of a difference this would have made, but like it's a PG thirteen movie. Did you was you it like what? by permission? I remember. I remember being told, and I want to say that like Scott, our brother, for people listening who don't know us, I uh, was also part of it. So it was like many different groups. And I, uh, I remember like being told that it was very important for us to see this movie. So is yeah. Our roots. No I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I mean, I wonder if because you were older and of an age where you had, you know, more, freedoms to do things on your own it was like less of a we are busing you to the movie theater situation and more of a hey check this out when you get a chance and we'll talk about it yeah i i I think that was it yeah i mean i i i couldn't tell you if it was required or not but like i went and i want to say it was the the opening weekend yeah, Westfield Rialto. I remember the place being pretty packed for school ties. <laughs> school ties. Not baby. a whole lot of cowards in that crowd. Nope. So uh, yeah. I think that's all we've got for school ties. Dan, you want to talk about what we're going to do on the yeah. next episode? So on the next episode... Something John, very different. Very. When John says cult classic, John is talking about this movie, or at least the first in the... Very long franchise. This, we'll say, yeah, this property. This property. Tremors, 1990. Yeah. Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward. Yeah. And, and Mr. Keaton from Family Ties. And <laughs> lots of big, giant sandworms. No, I, I'm excited. I can't remember the last time I watched a Tremors. I... I saw the, yeah, anyway, we'll talk about it next time. But yeah, it's definitely been a long time since I have given any attention to Tremors. So uh, this is going to be fun. Looking forward to it. We're going to get our, our and Kevin Bacon has to have been in something that connects to Lorenzo's oil. So I'm sure we can figure that one out pretty easily. Absolutely. All right, Dan, cowards, good journey. That's Oh, cowards and friends, good journey. I'll tell you, being on this campus really brings back memories. 